Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam. This is Sammy and Michelle. And you're listening to the 89th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are talking about therapy. Yes, Sammy. And I'm really excited to talk about therapy today. We are talking more about the idea about therapy, ways you can get the best out of it, our experiences with it. It's by no means a look at the history of therapy. If that's what you were thinking, I'm sorry. If you were suspecting that we were going to give you therapy, you're wrong. Because we are not professionals. That is true, Sammy. We are not professional therapists in any capacity, basically. (laughs) But Sammy has shared a little bit about the therapy she's been doing. And we've been hearing from a lot of people just questions about the experience. There's been a lot of interest around it. So we figured it would be good to just talk about our experiences a little bit more and delve into different ways we've approached it. And Maybe there's something for you to take out of that as well. Yeah, Michelle. I was thinking this would be a good topic because a lot of people have reached out to me after hearing I was in therapy and that I'm following with my shamanic counselor. And I think some people were curious and some people were also concerned that maybe something really bad had happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I kind of figured, you know, sometimes we need like a permission slip to go to therapy. You don't have to be GAD7 anxious or PHQ-9 depressed. Those are questionnaires for anxiety and depression. I don't know what that means, Sammy, but I agree with you. Sometimes I do feel like, oh, is my problem so bad that I can now go to therapy? What I used to say, actually, was that there is this balance for therapy between how badly I need it and how accessible it is. So if I'm feeling great, but I walk down the street and someone was like, hey, you want to come in for therapy? I'd be like, sure. But if I was feeling really terrible and it was really difficult to get, I'd be willing to go do it because I knew in my heart that I really needed it. It's not really a good reason. There shouldn't be that consideration, but I think that's a real thing, the barrier to entry for therapy. It's true, Michelle. Which is where I think this perception comes from. I agree. I agree. And just to define what therapy is because we don't know who's listening we don't know what's customary in your culture therapy is this idea that you go to somebody who has gone to school to professional training to be a therapist and you can talk to them about what's going on in your life you can talk about specific problems you can work through your childhood you can do a whole bunch of other things but it's essentially this idea that you're going to someone professional for a therapy appointment. This is not therapy with your best friend. This is not that is supposed to indulging as my therapy. We're talking real deal. You made an appointment. You're paying this person a little bit too much money that you feel comfortable with. 
Unless you're not. Unless you're rich, rich. I don't or know. your insurance is covering it. Unless you got that good insurance. <laughs> <laughs> or your company gives you therapy, which mm-hmm. one of my companies did. Maybe a red flag. But <laughs> but yeah, you have options. Like you, it's an actual formal process. I think this is self-explanatory, but I did want to make sure we covered it because we don't like to assume. It's true, Michelle. And I think a lot of people have the assumption that therapy is talk therapy. Talk therapy is a specific type of therapy where you talk to a counselor about your problems and you discuss that with them. But a lot of therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectic behavioral therapy, a lot of them are about actually evaluating your patterns, your thought patterns, and rewriting them, but maybe also like finding the origin, breaking that down. It's pretty much like breaking down your mitotes. If you listen to our Four Agreements episode where we talk about the book and we talk about mitotes and how we're all kind of in our own little world based on all the different types of beliefs and judgments that were put on us, and that's like the lens that we see the world, therapy is about evaluating that lens and seeing where maybe it's helping you and maybe it's harming you. Great clarification, Sammy. And there used to be a huge stigma against therapy. I would say there still is to some extent today. It's sort of thrown around in the cultural context. Like, you know, you'll see on TV, people be like, oh, he went to therapy or she went to therapy or, oh my gosh, all this great stuff with therapy. But one thing I've noticed, like in real life, like when I'm talking to my friends, my parents, my aunties, my uncles, whatever it might be, there is still a lot of question around why are you going to therapy? What does this mean? What are you getting out of it? And people might even be open minded to it, but actually not go so far as to apply it to their own life. I think people are a lot more comfortable being like, oh, I think you could go to therapy, but not really looking back at themselves and saying, oh, maybe I could benefit from therapy. Yes, Michelle. And I will say that I did not really think that therapy would be that useful for me when I started therapy. You know, I'm a healthcare professional. I'm constantly evaluating people for anxiety and depression and referring people to therapy. And, you know, I know the questionnaires that we use and I'm like, honestly, like, I don't necessarily feel like I'm answering any of these questions super positively like in the affirmative. And, you know, even though I could understand that maybe there's like some anxiety in my life, like I just didn't think it was that serious. It's not about how serious it is. That's what I realized. When I think about my life, like I know when I was a child, I was quite an anxious child. Like I was always worrying about things. And I saw myself as a worrying child. Like I saw myself as a worry wart. I would worry about things that I did. I'd worry about the future. I'd worry about organizing things in my current situation. Up until almost the end of high school, I knew that I was somebody who worried a lot. I didn't have the terminology anxious for it, but I knew that I was someone who was very, very kind of type A, but also just like worried about stuff. After that, you know, the anxiety slowly throughout my life, like did start to go down, like I do feel like with each year of my life, I have less and less anxiety. And I think part of that for me is just because a lot of anxiety is about control. And as I became an adult and I control more and more of my situation, I became less anxious because I have more and more control over my life. I think a great point there, Sammy, is that as your sister, best friend, 
soul sister, person who knows you better than anyone else. I never thought that about you growing up. And I think that's a really important distinction where I'm not a therapist and I'm not, I'm just your friend and I'm just your sister. And I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know when you ask me a question, like what type of things I should be considering when I give you advice. And I just want to make the clarification that there's a big difference between talking to a professional versus a friend who, again, I know you so well and I had no idea for a really long time that I would never have described you as an anxious child. I didn't see it. I was living in my own life. That's so true, Michelle. I I 100% agree. I think, you know, seeing my patients and stuff, you can't tell by outward expression who's anxious. I think we have this perception of what an anxious person looks like. And sometimes the people who are actually very anxious appear quite stoic and they are not very verbal. And that can make it seem like they're really chill when that may not be the case. So with that said, when I had ultimately decided to go to therapy, it was actually a recommendation from Michelle, who I was talking to about my dreams. (laughs) I just was keeping a dream journal and just like writing down all my dreams. And she had noticed that a lot of my dreams were actually quite anxious. Like they were me worrying about someone's perception about me, me worrying about something bad happening or something actually bad happening to me. When she mentioned that, I was like, oh, I kind of thought everybody's dreams were anxious. Of course, I have pleasant dreams here and there, but I would say probably most of my dreams are mildly anxious. Like most of them are not like terrorizing. Most of them are like somewhat stressful situations. And you know, Sammy, I think I only recommended therapy because I had done it last year and I had seen how beneficial it was. So it wasn't just that I recognized that you had a little bit of underlying anxiety. I think a few years ago, I would have thought that I would have been able to solve it for you. But having now worked with somebody who was a professional, it was easier for me to recognize like, hey, like, I think actually this is something that you could work through with another person. So it doesn't have to be the most serious thing in the world contextually. But I do think you could actually come out better on the other end if you talk to someone about it. I don't know how. I just know these people are professionals. It's true. And, you know, truthfully, part of the reason that compared to the rest of my life, this is when I decided to do therapy is actually just because I do have more time and I do have more bandwidth. And to be honest, I have more money so I can afford some pretty nice therapists. And this is just the timing where it seemed most appropriate. Not that the free therapists are bad. No. They're just booked and busy. They're just very booked. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can pay for a really good one. (laughs) Now I can pay for one who doesn't have to see as many people every day. That's really what it is. (laughs) So I got a counselor who's a psychologist, checked her reviews, and I just got this vibe that I would get along with her really well. So I got my therapist. She's awesome and I do align with her a lot. And I also, at the same time, being a spiritual person, I also got a shamanic counselor at the same time. And I think the combination of both has been super insightful for me. I think one big reason that I did choose to do therapy right now is I know that, you know, I'm getting closer to financial independence in the next two, three, four years. My life may be changing and I want to mentally prepare myself now for the changes that may occur in the future. 
Something I want to highlight there, Sammy, is that one, there is, you know, your therapist as a doctor, and then you did find somebody to talk to who is also aligned with yourself spiritually. And one thing I want to point out is that I think it's really beneficial. This is a conversation I have with my friends a lot, that when you're looking for a therapist, you can go online, there are different lists, there are different websites. It's okay to also look for somebody who aligns with who you are, whether that means you want a therapist that looks like you or is the same gender as you, or some people want someone who's the opposite of those things. Somebody who specializes in something that you know you want to specifically attack, or somebody who is, I don't know, let's say the same religion as you. I'm sure those are all things that can affect your experience. And I personally think you should go talk to a few different people and see, do you want to be with somebody who's a little bit more like you? I know for me, I kind of do like to talk to a woman. I do like to talk to somebody who is also a lot of times like a minority or a first or second generation, just because our experiences align and they can understand certain things in my life that are not necessarily taught, but just very innate. I agree, Michelle. And for me, with my therapist, there were some photos of this therapist at the, this clinic. And this clinic was like really highly reviewed. And I just could tell by looking at her photo that she was kind of like me. Like I was like, she's type A, like she's the right type of therapist for me. The other ones, <laughs> they seemed very, very sweet. But I'm like, no, I want a type A therapist just like me. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. I personally like someone a little bit more laid back. <laughs> so the benefits of therapy. Yeah, Sammy. First and foremost, we talked about this a little bit. These people are not your friends. These people are professionals. I've mentioned this before. There's this Buddhist concept, idiot compassion, which I've seen applied to therapy, which is when you're talking to your friends and maybe they're going off and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if I agree with what you're doing. But because you want to be supportive, you're just basically comforting them more than giving them constructive feedback. And I think that's great a lot of times with friendships. Like sometimes I don't need my friends to give me that kind of feedback. But with therapy, they have a real balance where they can actually challenge you on things. They can dig into the things that you don't want to talk about. And they're professionally trained to do this. They're taught to take away their own baggage versus when you're talking with a friend, they might have they're only viewing things from their own perspective. Like that's how we all live our life. And so I really think one of the benefits of therapy, this might be silly, but like your friends are not therapists. Even if they are a therapist, they're not your therapist. You need to actually talk to a professional because you'll just see the difference between the advice that you're getting. It's true, Michelle. And one thing that therapists can really appreciate, my therapist in particular, my counselor, is your own values and your own lens. Like when our friends talk to us, we're looking at them with our lens. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of my friends, they come to me to talk about their boy problems. I oftentimes tell them to leave their boyfriend. Not anymore, but I used to tell them to leave them a lot of the time. And that's because I'm looking at it through my lens, what I want my life to look like. That's two different lenses of what is a value. And that's one of the first things I did with my therapist. She did a little quiz with me. And this quiz pulled out what are my five top values. And it had a lot of values. It had like family, a community, a lot of virtuous things. But let me tell you, these were my five top values. 
spirituality, discipline, curiosity, authenticity, and independence. Pretty solitary values, if you ask me. Literally independence. Independence from music. (laughs) (laughs) And when when we did this exercise together, I really saw myself in those values. And I really appreciated that knowing those values is important to how I line my life up and how I think and how I believe. And so if I'm living by other people's values, I'm going to live a life that's really inauthentic to what my values are, one of them being authenticity. And let me ask you a question, Sammy. After you figured out your values, did you ever go back to them again? All the time. I go back to them in how I structure my life, but I also go back to them in seeing what these negative thought patterns are in my life. So a big part of therapy, a big benefit of therapy is recognizing your thought patterns. I think if you have thought patterns, you need therapy. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like if you're an enlightened Buddha in like a thoughtless (laughs) state, you don't need therapy. But if you are flooded with different types of thoughts of whatever type, whether they're extremely anxious or depressed or just more on the more neutral spectrum of things, like not so extreme, I think therapy can still benefit you. And one of the big things I had initially brought up with my therapist is these different types of thoughts that I was having. And we noticed that a lot of these thoughts are related to me being concerned about what other people think about me. I agree, Sammy. I do think you have to be Buddha level to not care about what other people think about you. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. But I do think the general population... We care a lot about what people think about us. Maybe because we're Indian. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe there's bias there. I will highlight that. But I do think a lot of people can definitely benefit from taking a look at their thought patterns. And even when we've talked about this, a lot of what I've realized bothers me or prevents me from doing things in life is my fear of other people's perceptions of me. Exactly. One thing that my therapist helped me recognize is that I have preoccupations about what other people think about me. Mm. She helped me create this three-part mind sequence to go through whenever I recognize that I'm thinking about what other people think about me. The first thing is, I think to myself, I have value and I'm doing my best regardless of what other people think about me. Oof, that's good. Number two, I have been programmed to care about other people's judgments about me, and it's not an easy programming to undo. Oh my gosh, yeah. That part's the part where you're kind of acknowledging where this came from and kind of forgiving yourself for having that type of thought coming in. And then the last one is, as I work on undoing this programming, I become in alignment with spirituality, authenticity, and independence. She helped me relate it back to my values. I love that, Sammy, because this is exactly what we were talking about in terms of as a person, a non-professional, we have such a strong habit of relating things back to our values. But in this case, she very specifically asked you what your values were and then helped you create something that aligned back to your values. So she's not letting her own gobbledygook get in there. Maybe she doesn't believe in independence at all. Maybe she's the most dependent person in the world. You have no idea because she's a professional. Yes, she's a professional and she can keep her own beliefs to herself. Mm -hmm. 
and her own values to herself, which I think is super impressive. She can go tell smack about you to her other therapist friends in her private life. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think therapists do that. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Another thing that we're going to be working on is, you know, me knowing that there's going to be changes in my life, but not knowing what those changes are. But at the same time, I kind of know that there's certain things that I want to get in order mentally, physically, you know, health wise, financially, all those things before I get to that place. And so we're also going to be doing a timelining exercise to go through that. And I think that's the thing about therapists. They know you. Like, she knows that that's something that I would love, like, timelining. <laughs> I think she's also like me, similar, like, type A vibes. But, like, timelining, I'm going to love that. Like, that's exactly what I want. That's therapy for me. Timelining is therapy. She's like, how about a plan? <laughs> I'm like, how plans? about we organize this? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that's what your friends sometimes can't do for you. <laughs> <laughs> your friends are like, yeah, go, go do that by yourself. I'm done. Your friends are like, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And you're like, it's not my vibe. <laughs> I do love people who I know that are like organized or essentialist. Like people you can just tell think that way. And then they like pull out these spreadsheets and they're like dealing with problems. And you're like, oh, this is very aligned for you in how you're mm -hmm. dealing with things. Yes. So yeah, that's a really good, cool application. And I will say, if you're a maven, which, once again, see our Spikertype episode, maven is someone who loves learning for the sake of learning. If you're a maven, therapy is kind of fun because you get to learn about <laughs> yourself. It's, like, so insightful. You're just talking to the therapist and you're having insights all over the place. I find it so inspiring. And I think that's something that's oftentimes not portrayed in therapy. The image that I had of therapy was kind of one where it seemed a little sad. You know, like you're talking to them, you're crying. And sometimes there's tears. Tears of breakthrough. That's what you don't realize. <laughs> but actually, it's super inspiring a lot of the time too, because you're literally changing your programming. And that's going to help you on so many levels. It's just amazing. It's true. The tears can definitely happen. You know, when you're cleaning out a closet, things got to get messy before they get good. So true, Michelle. And I'll add to that, Amy, when I was in therapy, you know, I'm not a type A person and perfectionism is actually a huge issue for me. And the one thing I like about my therapist is I sort of force myself to be more honest with her, even when I think it's stupid. Like, I feel stupid, I mean. And one of my things, you know, when I was seeing a therapist, it was related to the work that I was doing. And she was like, okay, like, let's set these goals. And I was like, I don't want to set these goals because I'm afraid I'm going to miss them which sounds a little crazy, but that was genuinely how I felt. And I was like, I just need to tell her this because like, I know I'm not going to respond well to this. And then she helped me set up like reach goals, medium goals, like easy goals. And it made just like the whole perspective easier for me. I think we were able to work together to make whatever her advice for me a little bit more accessible because I was like willing to be open and be like, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. These goals scare me. I like that, Michelle. And I think being vulnerable with your therapist is the only way you're going to get progress. Because if you don't speak to them about what's going on with you, then they cannot get to the bottom of it. Exactly. You know, sometimes maybe it's hard for people to be vulnerable about what's going on with them or they're kind of unaware of what's happening. This is what I recommend. This is what I do. If I notice that there's like a thought or something that I'm kind of like lingering around in my head, like, 
you know, an event happened or, you know, I had an interaction with somebody and then I thought about it for too long or like I ruminated on it too long. I'll bring it up with my therapist to see what her thoughts are. And a lot of times I'll think I know, you know, what it was about. Like, oh, I was worried about what what that person thought about me. The therapist will really help me get to the bottom of the fear, like to a hardcore level. That's where the breakthroughs happen. So I think being super vulnerable and just being really open about what you're feeling, what's going on, taking notes and bringing those to your therapy session is what's going to help you progress. I would agree, Sammy. For me, and I'm thinking about how I get the most out of therapy, I really do have to remind myself to be vulnerable and to talk about those like quote unquote little things, because a lot of times they're actually not little, even though you think you're like, ah, but they bothered you for a reason. They are sticking out in your mind for a reason. And I say that as someone who has a major issue with being vulnerable. If I had an Achilles heel, it would be being emotionally vulnerable. I'm working on it. I'm working it on it with Sammy. But it's tough. The thing is, for me, like if I went to therapy, I knew like if I wasn't open, it would take a lot longer to figure things out. Because you can go there and be like, everything's good. My life is good. I have no complaints. And sure, that maybe you feel that way at some level, but they can't do anything with that. They're not mind readers. They're not magic. You have to give them a little bit. Exactly, Michelle. And Michelle, another thing I find really helpful with therapy, and maybe it's because I'm a centralist, but is being organized. I keep a little document where I keep tabs on anything that I might want to talk about with my therapist. And then when I go to therapy, I write down her advice for me so that I can reflect on it later in the week. And as I go on and like journal my thoughts on it as well, because that's how she gets information on how to help me. And that advice is what helps me as well. It's funny, Sammy. Uh, as you know, as you know, I read this book recently, Good Morning Monster, which by the way, I wouldn't recommend just because it's like, trigger warnings galore like it's pretty graphic (laughs) anyway the point is (laughs) she basically goes through these stories of five different people and a few of them are type a and they come in after she asks them to do something even though they're very anti-therapy at first and they'll have like a list based off of things she said and it made me think about you and it's true like they actually even they were pretty close-minded to therapy in the book having the list and having something to almost like do a little bit of homework for made it more accessible to them. It's true, Michelle. I do find that with myself. I think I definitely did not expect myself to enjoy therapy so much. (laughs) But I do find it as like, just like I love having the homework. I love learning about myself. You know, for a Maven Essentialist, I think it is the perfect thing to like help you grow. It's so true, Sammy. I would also say when it comes to something like therapy, one thing I wish I knew and maybe like a fear that I had, or maybe just something I didn't think through enough was that you really, I really felt like I was going to go in the first day and we were going to have to handle every single problem that I had. And even the first time I went to therapy, I remember going through like a laundry, like just like my life story. I was tired afterwards. And then it's like, okay, but what's the problem we're trying to fix? (laughs) Which very specifically at the time was like, I was really stressed out about my work. And I just want to say that if you've got like a ton of like things that you're worried about, like you don't, you don't go to therapy and like your first day talk about every single thing. Like you are a complicated being. 
I'm a complicated being. And there are little parts that you can like break away and fix. And sometimes that's all you work on. Sometimes you go for an extended period of time, but you don't necessarily, I, th- I, I don't know, I, th- I think there can be this fear that you're going to go in and have to like pull out every skeleton in your closet. And that's not, that therapy is a long game. That's not true. Like therapy is a marathon, not a sprint. 100% Michelle. I completely agree. I think I also had this perception that therapy was about like bringing out your deepest, darkest trauma and like resolving it. It's really not about that at all. Like it can be, you know, if that's something that's affecting you today a lot, then I'm sure that would be helpful. But I think truthfully, a lot of us, you know, especially maybe you're middle-aged, you know, you're 30, not middle-aged, quarter-aged. Young. Young. Child. Childlike, maybe. I think a lot of us, maybe sometimes the deepest, darkest thing is a thing that we kind of actually have had the most thoughts about. Like maybe we've actually kind of resolved that issue and maybe it's little things like, people's preoccupations about us that are actually bothering us and it doesn't have to be this really really extremely dark thing that you're trying to like unravel yeah like if you don't want to deal with it trust me you can keep avoiding it like (laughs) not that we encourage that one way or another but i think it's a lot for anybody to be like oh i have to go and like talk about every single thing that's happened in my life and my relationship with my parents and their relationship with their parents and their relationships with their parents and I've got 30 years and really it's like a 50 minute appointment and you got to kind of it's good to get to the point they'll they'll go backtrack where they need to yes and another tip for getting the most out of therapy this one in particular applies to my shamanic counselor is you have to be open with my shamanic counselor you know she gives me a lot of insights that she has from spirit And we also do these shamanic journeys. No drugs. This is something people have been asking me. (laughs) I'm not necessarily like anti-psychedelic journeys or anything like that, but like... We're also not pro it. This is not that podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Go listen to Tim Ferriss if you want to go hear about an ayahuasca journey, okay? Yes, yes. Like, I do think that you can have a shamanic journey, a spiritual healing without drugs. And that is what I do with my shamanic healer. I can sometimes ask myself, like, is that journey something I just made up in my mind? Is it really like a message from spirit? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, if I'm getting insights from it, and I find it useful and beneficial, the journey is telling me something like your inner journey will tell you something about yourself that you needed to know. Whether you're the type of person who finds it helpful to believe that you really, really went on a spiritual journey, or you're the type of person who just whatever the benefits or the knowledge is from that journey, is what you focus on, it doesn't matter. It's all about just being open to the experience. I love that, Sammy. I think the last thing I would add in terms of how to get the most out of therapy is don't be afraid to date around a little bit too. I do sometimes have friends who, it is it is kind of a lot of work to find a therapist. And then for whatever reason, that person doesn't vibe with them and they'll never want to go again. And it's like, if you don't like your therapist, go find a new one. Like, that's okay. Like, they're not going to be personally offended. If you are looking for something different, like, we're all just taking a guess. So if you don't hit it off right away, sure, maybe give it another chance. But also go find someone else, too, if you think someone else might vibe with you a little bit better. 100%, Michelle. And, you know, on that same note, therapy is an investment. Of course, you know, we all have different means at different times. So, you know, maybe it's not the right time for a super expensive investment if 
you don't have those means at that time. But for me, I know there's therapists through my insurance that I could see, but I just really could sense that I would vibe with the current therapist that I have. And yeah, sure, I'm I'm keeping the receipts for my future HSA deductions, and I highly recommend you do the same. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like you came to this earth to get to your soul path and to access your soul contract. And you don't want your little thoughts and like paradigms and all these beliefs, limiting beliefs that you have to prevent you from achieving what you came here to do on this planet. And for that reason, I think sometimes therapy is worth the money that you're putting in. I agree, Sammy. I do think therapy can be a luxury. 100%. Want to asterisk asterisk that like it takes time. If you don't have the money and you have to work through your insurance, it might be difficult to get an appointment. I sort of have this thing now against people like there's this whole thing in dating culture that's like, oh, he went to therapy. She went to therapy. Like, that's so great. I kind of think that's a little classist now that I'm in the world of like, holy crap, therapy out of pocket is really expensive. So I don't judge anybody for not going. I think if there's a way you can go, if there's a way you can make it affordable for yourself, definitely do that. Like there are a lot of options, but I also understand that it's a big investment. I think it's worth it. But honestly, not for me right now, (laughs) because I don't have the money. But I can see how it would be beneficial for me in the future. And I was lucky enough at one point to also get free therapy through my work. So I just want to asterisk that too, because like we do think therapy is really great and everyone should have access to it. But that's not really how health insurance works in this country. But if you can afford it and you can find yourself a good therapist, we definitely recommend it. Yes, Michelle. And I I completely agree. Like, there's times in my life where I don't think therapy like I'm doing now would have been a responsible decision just because it is kind of expensive. But I do think that if you're somebody who has the means and you're kind of debating it because you're thinking that maybe it won't be useful to you, it could be extremely useful to you. And I think there's a reason that really successful people have therapists and have coaches who help them work past their limiting beliefs. Yes. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things I've realized with therapy, both my psychologist slash my shamanic healer, is that I came to a place where I have like reached the end of my beliefs of what was possible for me. I wanted to get a good job. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to have, you know, enough money or an abundance of money. I kind of came to the edge of that image of what I saw for myself. And to go beyond that, I really have to let go of any limiting beliefs that I have. And I really have to allow other realities to come into like my lexicon. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I think that's why a therapist can also help you is they just kind of help you broaden your horizon because I think we all, I think we all have limitations that we need to get past. I totally agree with that, Sammy. And also remember that everybody's problems are relative. A lot of times, like, I will help people go through crazy things and they're like, oh, but it's not as bad as X or it's not as bad as Y. That doesn't mean that you don't get to go to therapy. Everyone's problems is relative to what's going on in their lives, period. And if you think you would benefit from talking to somebody about it, The nice thing about therapists is they don't judge you. They're not like, I just had five people whose lives suck in comparison to you. No, that's not how they think. They're much more like, 
this is you, these are your problems. And like, I can, we can see how that has affected you based off of your life experiences. So I like to say that because like, whether it's big or small or perceived big or small, everything is relative. You are allowed to feel the way you feel about whatever is going on in your life. Completely agree, Michelle. And I see that with my patients and stuff all the time. Like they may have had something very traumatic happen to them, but the reason they're going to therapy may be something that seems more superficial that's going on currently. Trauma and those experiences, they play out differently in different people. And yeah, Michelle, I completely agree with you. So let us know what you think. If this was helpful, we'd love to know. If you need a recommendation for a therapist, we can put in some helpful resources in our show notes. And I am happy to share my therapist's name and my shamanic counselor's name if you are like me and you think that you'd benefit from the same counselors. I do video appointments with them, so I'm sure wherever you are, you can still be with them too. Well, depending on what state you're in. Let us know. We'd love to hear more. And otherwise, take care. We love you. Yes, we love you. And we want you to get past your boundaries and limitations. Preach, girl. And most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo. Hey, guys. Welcome to our after show. Welcome. Sammy, I, I'm not sure if you'd be interested, but I did create another game of Guess the Fake Headline. Oh, my God. Do it. We didn't really hear back positive or negative feedback, but I had a lot of fun doing it. As I said in one of our other after shows, Sammy isn't necessarily the most plugged in person, which is great, honestly. But because of that, she often misses major headlines that are going on in the world. But it's always fun for me to play around and see what she's heard and what she hasn't heard. So I put a list of three headlines together. Two of them are real and one of them are fake. For Sammy, And for you, if you'd like to play along, the goal is to guess the fake headline. Let's go. And last time, the theme was podcast. This week, the theme is books. Hmm. Fun, right? Yes. All right. So here is your first headline. Spotify is launching audiobooks. Second headline. Bill Gates has created a line of children's books focused on financial literacy. Third headline, Kanye West says he's never read a book. Hmm. Of those three headlines, Sammy, which one do you think is fake? Well, they all are the least interesting to look at for me personally. (laughs) I love books, but... I don't know if I really care about these headlines that much. So there's Spotify, there's Bill Gates' literacy book. Well, that one seems the most plausible, but maybe for that reason, it's the fake one. But I think it's this whole Kanye not reading books thing, because didn't he read the Bible? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. You do not think that Kanye West has never read a book. Correct. I believe that Kanye West has read at least one book, and maybe it wasn't cover to cover, but I'm talking about the Bible. (laughs) I hope Kanye West has read the Bible, considering that he has a church. (laughs) Answer is, drumroll please. 
Bill Gates has not created a line of children's books focused on financial literacy. Oh my god. Yeah. Kanye West did say that he's never read a book. He said it's like eating Brussels sprouts for him. He gets a lot of gas. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to do a little bit more research on this, because he does say this, but it does feel a little bit exaggerated. It seems majorly exaggerated. He's also launching a school, so I don't really know. (laughs) Like, what are they going to do in the school? (laughs) Like, his point, I guess, is like, the literature is dumb. So I do agree with you. I would be shocked if he's never read a book. Again, you are right. And not even a school. He has, what is it, Sunday service or whatever? His church thing. His church. He's got a whole church. I'd be mad, mad if I found out the church I was going to, like I had never read the Bible before. Right. Though reading the Bible to cover to cover is very difficult. So I don't, a lot of people, I don't It's not the first that. book I would choose, but. <laughs> but if I was Kanye West and there was only one book I was going to read. Yes. In fact, it's become increasingly clear to me that I read a children's version of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) See, Amy and I have, yeah, I've been talking about that a lot recently. Because she'll, like, come in and she'll be like, uh, I heard, like, this super salacious thing about, like, Abraham. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Old Testament classic. And she's like, what? And I'm like, what version of the Bible did you read? (laughs) Like, the Bible has some salacious stuff in it. Definitely read the PG-13 Bible. We did have one that was, like, a flip book of, like, images. Uh, what do you call it? A picture book. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what you were focused on. I think that's probably what I was focused on. They don't on really because... dip into the more controversial stuff in that one. I'm like, what does this have to do with the big picture? <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes the Bible fun. You know what? Actually, I don't even want to go down this path. Mm-mm. We already got in trouble <laughs> once. I don't know why you would even bring these things up. Yeah, you're right. Well, everything is good. Please do not at us, Christian community. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Spotify is launching audiobooks. I thought maybe you would have seen that one. I don't know how I missed it, but yeah, I didn't see it. But, you know, I kind of am excited because if they're cheaper, not to be cheap, but (laughs) I would appreciate that. (laughs) I was mad because I assumed they were included with the premium, which they're not. But I do agree. The only place I know how to read audiobooks is through Audible or through the library. So I would be open. I do everything on Spotify anyway. So, oh, and I read, because they take all your data and track you, they might be able to make really great recommendations for audiobooks too, Mm. which would be dope. That would be bomb.com. Right? Like all those playlists they make for you, but instead, books. Oh, I would love that. Mm -hmm. That would be a good time. All right, guys. That was our after show. Chat with you later. Bye.